House come to order if members can take their seats. This budget is a huge job maker, and the number one solution to economic insecurity is a job. Hungry children can't learn, and it's our responsibility to try to help. Equality and opportunity. I believe most people are here because they want to do some good. It's Thursday, so how about a brand new episode of Capital Ideas? It's the podcast where members of the Majority Democratic Caucus in the Washington State House of Representatives sit down at the Capitol and talk about ideas. We think they're good ideas, and the ones you'll hear about today come from State Representative Amy Wallen of Kirkland, who was sent down to Olympia by her friends in Washington's 48th Legislative District. If you don't have the district map memorized, that's on the east side of Lake Washington, and it comprises parts of Kirkland, Redmond, Bellevue, and Medina. Amy was mayor of Kirkland before becoming a state lawmaker, but we've got her now. We recorded this just a few hours ago on the morning of Thursday, February 27, 2020, and you can hear it now. Representative Amy Wallen from the 48th Legislative District, I'm happy to see you here again. Thank you for coming by. I'm so happy to be here, Dan, to talk about one of my passions, housing for working families. Uh, That's a good passion to have, and certainly it's timely. We haven't talked on air here in about a year, and I know that you have been busy. You've had a steep learning curve. You seem to have mastered that pretty well. And now you have taken on a big issue as one of your priorities. As you just said, housing for working families on the east side. We're talking about the east side of Lake Washington, by the way, not the east side of the Cascades, although some of these bills that you're working on do have statewide significance. So if somebody's homeless in Pullman or Spokane or Walla Walla, this could maybe have an effect there, too. Absolutely. Tell me what you've been doing. Well, what I've been doing is trying to think about housing on the spectrum of needs. So all the way from addressing homelessness and all the causes of it to low-income housing for people. There's just a lack of inventory, not just on the east side of Lake Washington, but on the west side of Lake Washington across the state. And then we call it missing middle. So sort of tackling from across the spectrum, the affordability issues, zoning, what kind of incentives can we put out there to create housing for people? When you talked about the causes of this crisis, and, and really it's more than one crisis, there's homelessness, there's underhomedness. I, don't, I just made that word up, but there's also a lack of affordable housing so that people might be two families in one apartment, that kind of thing. They're not technically homeless, but it's not living the American dream either. What are some of the causes that you are identifying? I I know that people talk about behavioral health, they talk about substance abuse, but it's a lot bigger than that. Oh, absolutely. It's the lack of inventory. And our commitment to growth management, which has preserved eastern Washington and um, its rural nature is so important, but it means that we need to take growth in cities. So this pressure of great jobs and families coming to live and work here has created pressure on the cities, and we haven't necessarily responded as quickly as we should have. How are you trying to rectify that this session? 
Well, I have a great bill that supports the development of a women and family shelter in Kirkland. What a lot of people don't know about the east side is, one, we have a serious homeless problem, and it may not be as visible as it is in other places. It is there. Families are living in tent cities hosted by our faith community. They're living in their cars. And one thing about visiting those tent cities is that they're empty during the day because people are at work. So these are working people. You don't need to be unemployed to be homeless. That's right. And the and the three cities, Kirkland, Redmond, Bellevue, have made kind of a compact that the Bellevue community is going to host the men's shelter. Kirkland's going to host women and families, and a family will be any person with a child. And uh, Redmond will continue hosting the youth. Uh, there's a serious youth homelessness problem there. So there's a lot of coordination among the local governments over here. Absolutely. I'm very proud of our community because we are dedicated to welcoming all people. And I should point out that you you have deep roots in the local government scene. You were the mayor of Kirkland. It's not new to me as well because I'm a business owner. So we have a business in Kirkland um, and we have a business in Seattle. And what we have found is that our working families cannot afford to live in the communities where they where they work. Doing long commutes, fragile families, um, not spending enough time with their kids, plagued with the substance use disorder problem. Our communities are fragile. And one of the things that they desperately need is housing in the community where they work. They need to be a part of that community. Many of the families that I work with live, you know, an hour's drive away and they don't have access to transit. Those are the people in my heart when I work on housing issues for the east side. What specific bills have you got? Because I know that there's no bill that says, here's how to solve this whole problem. You've, you've got to attack it in chunks and what are the what are the pieces that you're trying to work on this session? That's right. There's no silver bullet. There's silver buckshot. And uh, we have a bill to exempt affordable housing projects created by communities, agencies like Attain Housing and Imagine Housing from real estate excise tax. So we are using real estate excise tax to build affordable housing. We shouldn't charge those programs for real estate excise tax on the real estate that they acquire to build the housing. That does seem sort of counterproductive. Yes, exactly, but we needed legislation to fix that problem. I ran a bill on multifamily tax exemption, which really is meant to get at that missing middle, create working people housing. And it's been a very successful program and wanted to extend that to go around the state and to be used not just in cities, but in counties that take a lot of density. So uh, still a work in progress. It's a big policy, but hopeful that we can come to a resolution this session to get that what we think is 250,000 units of housing needed in our region going, being built. When you say multifamily, you're talking about apartment complexes where many families might live. That's exactly right. And we're also trying to get at some of the zoning decisions that cities make, that we impose upon the city's growth management. And that means that we need to give them the tools that they need to be successful to implement that. And I would argue that housing is a part of the necessary infrastructure to implement growth management. It's not just transportation and roads. It's housing for families. There are a lot of people that do not want to mess with the GMA, and there are a lot of people that would like to just set fire to the paper that it was printed on. What you're trying to do is actually improve something that does exist now. 
Right. I think that we have decided that housing is a part of the infrastructure that is required to make GMA work. And it also that climate, uh, addressing climate change is a, is a very important value in implementing the GMA. But we can make tweaks. And for example, I have a bill that gives a property tax exemption if you build an accessory dwelling unit on your property. Now, we already have that property tax exemption for a major renovation of your home, but why not just change that definition to include construction of an accessory dwelling unit? These are magical places where a grandmother could move out of the four-bedroom house into the ADU, and the, the next generation could live in the main house, and that would create community, but also just create more housing and allow people to age in their own hometown. In some communities, uh, ADUs are not allowed. Is this a local zoning question so that, in other words, the state isn't going to be able to change zoning in a given city? So are you working with the cities and counties to accomplish that? There are a couple of, of bills out there that do ask cities to um, be more prescriptive, are more prescriptive from the state end and ask cities to take ADUs. My particular policy is an incentive for people to, um, to build an ADU. And I think, you know, cities always prefer local control. They prefer to determine the character of their own neighborhoods. But... We also need to recognize that a lack of housing is a statewide crisis, and it is appropriate for the state government to become involved and ask cities to do more. We've talked about various initiatives you're working on. What is the status of these at this moment where we have 15 days left in this legislative session? Almost all of my housing initiatives are alive and with bipartisan support. This is not a partisan issue. Everyone recognizes housing is a crisis that we all face and affects all of our communities. So the real estate excise tax bill is going to, is in the Senate and will be voted out. I'm very excited about the success of the accessory dwelling unit bill. It should be uh, part of the law and on the governor's desk very soon. I think that there are many initiatives to try to build little places for people to live. There's different sizes and different shapes for all kinds of people and we need to make sure that those choices are out there. And the utility, uh, the support for this, the homeless shelter construction is also in the Senate and about to be voted out. Still working on the multifamily tax exemption. Very big policy, maybe a part of the ending negotiations between the House and the Senate, but I'll be definitely advocating for all of them. I know you've got to get over to session. The floor voting is going to begin very quickly. But before you go... Let's say everything you're working on right now passes, works out great, everybody likes it. What do you see in five years? Well, I think that we are working towards complete communities, Dan, where people can live, work, and play in their own hometown. I would love to have supportive communities where they can get behavioral health and support for their kids and um, have a complete life, um, have green spaces in warm and welcoming cities. And we preserve eastern Washington um, as the beautiful open space and farmland that we all are in love with, but that we have complete cities that care for each other and have a place for everyone. I appreciate you coming by, Amy, and good luck on all of these. You've had a heck of a two years for a, a first-term legislator. You've kind of knocked it out of the park in several ways, and I look forward to talking with you again next year. 
Thank you, Dan. I told you they were good ideas, didn't I? You can hear this level of conversation every Tuesday and Thursday by subscribing to Capital Ideas wherever you like to grab your podcasts. What we talk about is your state government, and what happens here matters. The more you know about how it works, the better it can work for you and for everyone. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats, putting people first since 1889. Thanks for listening.